Today we're talking with Dr. J.J. Mayo about marathon race day nutrition and how to determine how much protein you need to recover fast and prevent running injuries. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, I'm really excited to bring J.J. Mayo onto the show to share his experience about nutrition and what it takes to fuel athletes not only in races but in the recovery process as well. So Dr. Mayo holds a Ph.D. in exercise physiology and he's a registered dietitian as well. He's also an associate professor and he's published close to 50 articles in lay and scientific journals regarding all kinds of aspects of fitness and nutrition. Dr. Mayo's also been quoted in magazines like Men's Health and U.S. Weekly. and But don't worry, he's, he's not just writing about this stuff. He walks the talk, too. So J.J.'s done ultra marathons, he's qualified for the Boston Marathon, and he's finished 10 Ironman triathlons. So he knows what it takes and to, to use his nutrition and apply it directly to actually putting miles on the road. All right, well, welcome, J.J. Thanks for coming on the show, and, and maybe you could just give us a little additional background about you, your athletic history, and, and maybe even how you became so interested in nutrition specifically for runners. Cool. Thanks, Chris, for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. And so a little bit more about me. Like you said, I have a Ph.D. in exercise physiology, and I've spent most of my career teaching in kinesiology and exercise science departments. And, and I have done research, but my love is really teaching. I enjoy mentoring students and being there with them. And, uh, you know, I love being in the lab. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about being on the podcast today. And, uh, you know, but as I started teaching and I taught quite a few years in kinesiology and exercise science, I started getting more questions about nutrition than I did the exercise. And so I went back and got a master's in dietetics, went through the internship and and set for the RD exam, and, and now I'm a registered dietitian. And I couldn't be happier because, the, interestingly enough, the, the last couple of years, I have moved from kinesiology, and now I teach in the Department of Nutrition. And so I teach undergraduate classes in sports nutrition, and undergraduate and graduate classes in sports nutrition. So I'm really excited about that. And, and as far as my athletic background, uh, you know, I started like a lot of your listeners, your listeners can probably relate to this. I started to lose weight and that's how I started uh, getting into the running because years ago I weighed 200 pounds and I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to that, but I weighed, I weighed 200 pounds. I drank two liters of Coke a day. Uh, you know, I dipped, you know, I did some of the, I used to eat the brown bag special at Sonic. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, you remember so it's two you know, two uh, burgers, two fries, and two drinks. I used to eat that by myself. (laughs) And so so I started, yeah, so I started running uh, to lose weight. And so I lost 40 or 50 pounds, and I just continued to challenge myself. And so that's, I started with 5Ks and 10Ks, and eventually started doing marathons, and I wanted to challenge myself further. So I started doing triathlons, and ultimately uh, it led to doing Ironmans in uh, 2002. So you know, and even the last couple of years, I've started doing some more trail running stuff. And, you know, when you look at this, I never win these races, but I'm always really competitive uh, within usually the 10 to top 20, 10 to 20 percent of, you know, the field. And one of the reasons I, 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 I do those so well, it's not genetics, because I would probably be a better bodybuilder than I would be a, a, a an endurance athlete. But it's the knowing the principles of training. It's the nutrition that really has helped me and helped me fuel down the road and, and do well in these events. And so I know that's what we're here to talk about. So I'm excited to, to, to jump into it. 
Yeah, no, that's great. That's really helpful. And I mean, it does it does take big changes, but it's interesting because you know, like you say, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I, like, there's um, um, I've done uh, a couple of recorded episodes with a, a guy who's like a really really fast runner, but he is literally half my size, and he has a genetic advantage to being a runner. And I was actually for a run in Golden Gate Park one day, and um. I used to rock climb a lot and I have more, I still, even though I'm pretty skinny now, I have more upper body mass than most runners, you know? And, uh, and this guy, I ran up next to him. He's a friend of mine. He's from South Africa, but we're running along and he's, I was like, Hey, how are you doing? He's like, Hey, and he looked at me and he goes, you know, you're carrying a lot of weight, mate. And I was like, did you just call me fat? And he said, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean, you just look, you know, kind of bulky for like a runner. And I was just like, well, that's just how I'm built. You know, it's nothing I can do about that. So you know, mm-hmm. it's true. So, you know, but then what, what's the difference? So like, why is it that, you know, you or I can go and be relatively competitive, you know, at these events that clearly we're not really built for? Like, why is that? Well, it's because we pay attention to the biomechanics, the kinesiology aspects, nutrition aspects, and we get basically our speed from, you know, just applying what we've learned, right? And that's really all there Absolutely. is to it. So, Absolutely. Um, and obviously, you know, going from the, the bound, or, you know, the, the special at Sonic, to like having real nutrition is like free speed because you really can tune your machine with just these these tools, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's a big thing. So when somebody goes from, you know, like you said, like kind of like your history, like going from um, just to lose weight, you know, somebody who goes from a relatively sedentary lifestyle to taking up running, you know, what kind of shift in their diet is going to make the biggest improvement in their adaptation to their new running routine? Like, you know, as a nutrition expert, like what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think it's the the simple things, you know, the first thing you would do was just to cut out the junk. I mean, I know when I was back in that uh, position, that's what I did is I just really focused on cutting out. Now, you don't have to cut it all out, but you need to cut it back, you know, and, and I usually live and tell my athletes to, to live by the 80-20 rule where 80% of the time you eat healthy and 20% you can blow it. And the 20% that, that you blow it, I would even like to have that a little bit planned. Like a lot of people do that. Like on Friday night, they know they're going to have a blow it day where they go out and eat, you know, pizza and, and, you know, eat a little more than what they normally would. So I I like the 80, 20 rule. And, you know, if athletes, they may have seen this before, but as a a registered dietitian, nutritionist, we, we talk about the plate method where, you know, half of the plate is, you know, fruits and vegetables. The other half is broken up where you have your uh, whole grains and then your protein and if, if you could get athletes to eat in that uh, manner, you would get, get them on the right track uh, for weight loss and, and to help their, their, their fueling for sure. And here's another thing, too, is oftentimes, you know, when you're out there and runners, especially those that are just beginning, they don't see themselves as athletes. That's and so, right. But you, you really need to see yourself as an athlete. And so I think that's a, that's a, a big key. You know, that's other true. things, too, like eating, uh, eating at home, you know, just some of those simple things that we can do. Yeah, no, that does. It is really, that's a big part of it. You know, it's really, I mean, we talk about the mental aspects of these kind of races and stuff, but how you view yourself really does make a big, big difference. And, you know, I remember like when I did my first marathon, um, I was, uh, you know, I didn't view myself as like, still, even though I've been running for a really, really long time, I didn't view myself as like a real runner, you know, and I was on my way to go do my first marathon. I was in the airport I was sitting on the floor in a crowded airport. The flights were delayed. And I was talking to this guy who was actually going to run the same race. And he'd run like, you know, 100 marathons or something. And so in my mind, he was a real runner. 
you know? And I'm sitting there talking to him and I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to do my first marathon and all that kind of stuff. I was still kind of sheepish about it, you know, even talking about it. And, and, uh, and when his wife came over, he said, Hey, I want to introduce you to this guy. This is Chris. He's a marathoner. And, and it actually really changed my perspective of myself, um, really yeah. and truly. And, um, you know, uh, when you go from, you know, switching your diet to actually being a more serious athlete, you know, it really does change things. And, and, um, and so I have periods like when I'm really training where I'm super cautious about what I eat and I'm really more strict about it. And part of it's because like when I was trying to qualify for Hawaii, you know, I'm like, you know, and I remember, um, I did this workshop with Mark Allen one time and, um, he was at the time trying to beat Dave Scott. Dave Scott was taking home all the titles. Right. And so Mark tells this story and he said, he had this realization that like Dave Scott was eating cottage cheese. He was, you know, for most of his protein and he would take a strainer, put the cottage cheese in the strainer and rinse it under running water to get more of the fat off of it before he would eat it. And, and so Mark said, he said, I finally realized that like, I have to, you know, when it comes to nutrition, I'm trying to beat a guy that rinses his cottage cheese. And I actually bought a strainer and hung it on the wall in my <laughs> kitchen to remind me of that. And like, that's the thing is that when you realize, like, if you want to beat that guy, you got to even rinse your cottage cheese. You know, it's true. It's yeah. the small things. And, yeah. um, and it's that way You're in right. many sports. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. And, and so you think about this and you mentioned it earlier about weight loss. That's one of the easiest things runners can do to get faster. Right. You know, you think about it, you, you're, you, you know, for every pound you lose, you're two to seven, seven, uh, seven seconds per mile faster. That's right. That's minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, people kind of downplay that and they think, well, it's how I'm built and all this other stuff. And they'll say that. But the truth is, I mean, like, okay, well, we're from the South, right? I'm originally from Tennessee and uh-huh. everybody knows NASCAR there, right? Sure. You don't see any back seats in NASCAR, you know, vehicles, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a reason they take everything out that's not crucial. And, you know, and it's that way. So, you know, that's a lot of where, um, you know, my my sort of my thought process behind a lot of stuff comes from. And, you know, many years ago, I raced motorcycles professionally before I went to med school. And, um, and when I started to actually improve and I was racing professionally, I had this uh, interesting conversation with a guy who was my mentor. His name was Fred Provis. And... You know, one day I was talking to Fred about all the subtle little changes that can mean the difference between winning and losing. And Fred looked at me and said, you know, Chris, you and your motorcycle are pretty much the same as all your competition. And when you get to that level, the only difference between first and second place may be what you had for breakfast. Now, Fred, you know, was not exactly like the vegan kind of guy, right? So um, still to this day, like now he lives in... Uh, San Diego, when I go to back to Houston to visit, I always post pictures like when I go to Taco Cabana, which is like my <laughs> splurge place. And he's always like, oh, man, I miss Taco Cabana. But yeah. Fred knows and knew back then many, many years ago that nutrition was key. Right. And so, you know, that's that's a big part of the thing is that, you know, even though like racing motorcycles is an athletic activity, you know, when you think about athletic activities, that's not what most people think of. They think of running marathons, doing Ultramans, Ironmans, that kind of stuff. And in those things, the fuel is incredibly important. And although few runners, when you ask them, why did you win? Few of them will say, well, it's because of what I ate. They'll say, well, it's because of these training things that I did. It's this, you know, routine that I've stuck to. It's all that. I think that a lot of the times when you see somebody, particularly at an Ironman or a marathon, who's completely cratered and fallen apart on the course, they blame the nutrition 
and their failure of execution, their nutrition as the cause of failure. You know, they'll say, well, you know, I could, you know, whatever, blew my nutrition. So it's interesting to me that it's a common like scapegoat, you know, when things go come apart, but it's not what people really focus on. Um, So, you know, that's it. I mean, no matter how well trained you are on race day, if you go through the aid stations and you're eating potato chips and chocolate chip cookies or something, you're not going to PR, you know, so... I don't get it. I mean, it really does baffle me when I'm on a, on a race course and I see these completely ripped, you know, obviously super well-trained athletes reaching for cookies and potato chips and stuff when they're going through a marathon. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So, you know, I know that you have an entire website and coaching program built around this idea of optimizing fuel for runners. And so, you know, I mean, when it comes to that stuff, what are the biggest mistakes that runners seem to make when it comes to nutrition on race day? This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. Two, he's going to be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are going to result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. So, you know, I mean, when it comes to that stuff, what are the biggest mistakes that runners seem to make when it comes to nutrition on race day? Ooh, wow. That's a great, that's a great question, Chris. And there are quite a few more than you would think. And I've kind of bundled it into just a couple things here. Uh, One is not having a plan at all. And this is kind of really what kind of led me to, to create my website, create my programs is a couple years ago. And, 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 you know, like I, I participate in quite a few events, but I also volunteer mm-hmm. for a lot of events too. And so I was working packet pickup at this half and uh, full marathon a couple years ago. And I just made a point of every person that came in to pick their packet up, I would ask them, what'd you eat? What are you going to eat the night, the night before? What do you eat tonight? What are you going to eat tomorrow in the morning? You know, what are you going to, what are you going to, uh, eat and drink during your event tomorrow. They had no idea. Right. They hadn't even thought about it. And it makes such a huge difference from the elite level all the way down to the age grouper like us. Um, you know, I was just looking back. You guys, I'm sure you probably heard and your listeners have heard of uh, a guy named uh, Haile Gebrselassie, one of the best runners, uh, elite marathoners in history. And in 2002 and in his previous events, uh, he ran well, but he never used sports drink. In 2002, he ran a 206.35 in London, wow. Okay, which is great. But then he started actually using sports drinks and nutrition products during his event. 
and, and that was in London in, two, uh, in 2002. And in 2008, in the Berlin Marathon, he set a world record, uh, two hours, three minutes, and 59 seconds. And he, that's because he just started using nutrition on the course right. and having a plan. He worked with a, um, a, a sports nutrition individual to help them put together a plan. And, yeah. then, in, and then in 2014, a research article, this is a really popular article, um, what they did is a, a field-based experiment where they had all these marathoners. They had a group of marathoners, and they divided them into two groups. And one group, they actually put together a plan for them and helped them develop a race day nutrition plan. The other group, they just kind of let them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were matched by fitness. So their fitness levels were the same. And they even gave them one half marathon to practice. This was actually the, uh, the Copenhagen Marathon that they did this in. But then they let them run the marathon. And as we would expect, the, the individuals that had a race day nutrition plan, even though the, the, the groups were matched by fitness, they ran 11 minutes faster. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing is, I mean, you know, when people hear this, like for people who aren't marathoners, when they hear, okay, the guy ran 206, then he ran 203 or whatever. Like, yeah. okay, that's only yeah. three minutes. Like three minutes takes me that long to tie my shoes, right? right. But at that level taking off three minutes is like you or me chopping an hour off an Ironman. I mean, it's a huge, huge difference, right? And it's world record difference. Absolutely. Because of his genetics. I mean, his genetics were not going to, and his training probably didn't differ. What differed was adding sports drinks, adding a nutritional plan into the mix. Exactly. So, I mean, that, it really does matter. So again, like I'm not an elite, you know, athlete by any stretch, but I have for years, I have followed a very strict schedule when it comes to race day. So it's like I have an actual thing that I have printed yep. and written out, which I did years ago after I did a bunch of Ironmans, like I figured out what works and I have this very clear schedule of when I eat the days before the race, the morning of the race, how many minutes before the gun goes off and I actually do a gel and, and all that stuff and a whole schedule and I have it actually taped on my bike. And so, you know, people like will ask me, like, well, what do you think about, you know, when you're doing those races? And I'm like, well, when I'm on my, you know, I have a really aggressive position on my bike and I like, I literally watch my power meter and I look at the schedule and the time. And all I do is like, I look up every, you know, I count to a hundred and I look up to make sure that I'm not going to hit anything. And I keep my head down and I eat and I watch the power meter. That's all I do until I get off the bike, you know, because yep. it's all that matters. It doesn't matter yep. who's passing me. It doesn't matter what horse is on the side of the road. It doesn't matter. And it's just about getting the fuel in and maintaining the power. And, yep. you know, so it is a small thing, it, but that's where, you know, like we said, like the genetics don't change. Your, your training, you know, unless you have a lot of free time, isn't going to really change appreciably, but you can get huge gains. And so, you know, it's it's like the free speed, you know, it's like make having a lighter weight race car or, um, you know, going downhill kind of, you know, it just yeah. makes a huge difference. So, yeah. 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 And rehearsing that plan is also important too, Chris. You know, right. it, you have to put this plan together, but then in training, you got to figure out what's going to work. How much fluid can you consume per hour? How many calories can you take in per hour? And those are all really important things. That's true. Too. Yeah. So I actually tested that stuff too myself. I had a period where I spent one summer when I was doing races like Texas and uh, Louisville. You know, they were, they've changed them now, but they were really hot races historically. And knowing they were going to be hot, I trained for those. So I actually spent uh, time doing all my training rides and runs midday in the summer in Alabama. 
um, where I would go in and I actually charted out and tracked like how much could I take in on these hard effort rides and runs. Um, you know, you know how many um, how many ounces of fluid could I take in while I was on the bike? How many gels could I take in without upsetting my stomach? And I figured it out. So I don't have to wonder now. I show up on race day. I know exactly. I know exactly how much I can take in and not throw things off course. So, yeah, so it's not just racing, though. So what about in training? I mean, you know, are there big mistakes that you see athletes commonly make that really can inhibit their whole developmental process, their whole performance building, you know, or even even like put them at risk of injury, you know, with nutrition? Uh, Yeah, that's a good good question. So the training aspect is also really important, as you know. And what I see most of the time is is injury wise is athletes running too much. Yeah. You know, we talk about runners and, and just doing too much. Um, and, and, and if that happens, then that increases the risk of injury. And I learned this, this is what happened to me. I didn't get injured, but I just continued to think that I could run more, run more. Cause I set my sights years ago to qualify for Boston. Right. And, and so I trained, I trained and, Oh, I must not be training enough. So I just continued to run more. And guess mm-hmm. what? My my times did not improve. Right. What really helped was the fact that I honed in my race nutrition. And right. so I think just doing, yeah, doing too much is one of the big common ones. And also another thing I would say, and we're a, lot, a lot of us are guilty of this, is running the same paces. Oh, yeah. The whole year round, you know. Right. Eat it, running the same pace, you've got to manipulate that. So you're running faster on some days, long, slow distance on others yep. and manipulate that in training too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's interesting because like we like to do the same things, right? Habits are, mm-hmm. are habits for a reason. And sure. we get that with a lot of different stuff. So, uh, yeah. So what about, um, what about the vegan diet and protein? I mean, I, I see a lot of vegan athletes who get stress fractures and not just metatarsal stress fractures. I see vegan runners who get hip fractures, femoral neck fractures, all kinds of different uh, stress fractures. And a lot of these athletes are strictly vegan athletes, not just vegetarians. And don't get me wrong, I, you know, I understand the appeal of this kind of diet. I mean, I, mean, I, I appreciate the potential for inflammation reduction just by having a super clean diet. And um, I know there are a lot of books written about this, um, but the simple fact is that somebody who eats meat can take in and absorb a whole lot more protein than somebody who does not eat meat. And um, it's not some kind of moral discussion. I'm not trying to convince anybody they should start eating meat if they're a vegetarian. I'm just curious about your thoughts on the topic of protein intake and then making sure that you're getting the appropriate nutrients when you have a strict diet like somebody who's vegan. And, you know, I mean, just we really wonder what your thoughts are on that because I know that's a tough yeah. thing to get everything yeah. you need. Absolutely. So, yeah, protein intake is, is definitely important, especially if you are a vegan. But um, it, just to kind of back up a second, when we look at protein requirements, you know, the RDA, Recommended Dietary Allowance, for protein is 0.8 grams per kilogram of your body weight. And then for endurance athletes, it ranges from 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight uh, up to, you know, 1.7, 1.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. And Endurance athletes, if they're training more, they need to have higher levels. And when you look at the vegan diet, I think protein can p- play a role, but it sounds like you're, we're talking more about bone health here. And if we're talking bone health, then that, that really is more of a calcium issue, mm-hmm. uh, in particular dairy. And so, yeah. you know, it's, when you talk about vegans, you know, they're cutting out the dairy, they're cutting out the animal products in, uh, in general. So 
when you look at the vegan diet, uh, what I would say for those of uh, your listeners out there who are vegan, you've got to be really diligent. you got to be a diligent vegan, if I can right. call them that, because you do have to make sure you're getting in what you need. And we're talking calcium here, obviously, mm-hmm. and vitamin D. Uh, iron is huge, you know, B12. So there are a lot of really important nutrients that if you're not consuming them on a regular basis, that puts you at increased risk for injury and stress yeah. fracture and those types of things. Yeah. Um, and so no question about it. You've got to, what I would recommend is, is going to most of your athletes, hopefully are going to get a yearly physical where they're getting yeah. these uh, tested, um, you know, through the blood and mm-hmm. making sure that they're, they're able to find out if they're, they're, there's a, a need of, you know, consuming, you know, a supplement or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because you can do that, right? I mean, you can go and if you tell your doc, because your doctors don't know, right? Let's right. face it. They don't know and they don't understand right. it. I mean, one time I was actually training for Ironman Florida um, and I got pneumonia and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, I wrote on my intake sheet, like, you know, 20 servings of fruits and vegetables or whatever it was like at the time, like, I mean, I wrote down everything. I wrote like how much I was running, how, you know, I was training 25 hours a week. And then the doctor like was going to prescribe Cipro. And I was like, with all due respect, sir, did you even read my information? I mean, you won't even have to put on a suit if I get an Achilles tendon rupture if you give me Cipro after you read my intake form. I mean, you just have to send the check in. This is like totally malpractice. And he was like, oh, we're really busy here. And I was like, what are you thinking, dude? I mean, it was just so far off. And that was the thing is like I went in, I explained to them that I was training and that I had this issue and they completely ignored it. And they like my diet wasn't even part of the consideration. So, so a lot of them, when you say I'm a runner, they just think, okay, well, that means you go to the gym and you get on the treadmill and you run for 20 minutes after you do your weights or something. They don't really know what you're doing. And if they're not runners, they may not appreciate it at all. So I think it's really critical that like people go in and they explain to the doctor, look, I'm a vegan. I'm training for, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I'm doing hill repeats. I'm doing all this stuff. So that they really kind of get the gravity of your full training uh, routine and then you know and then you can ask specifically like well is there a way to check because what athletes will call me and they think they have a stress fracture and they say well should I get like a you know a bone density study or something and that's like calling the insurance adjuster after you've had a crash not trying to figure out how to not run into somebody you know it's a totally different thing and but they're not even aware that they can do this but they can and the doctors you know sure they they may discount that because they're like oh that's unnecessary why do why would we check your serum calcium by doing a blood test but they certainly can and you know and if you don't know that there's a problem i mean you know how are you going to figure that out so if you you know same thing they can check your um you know your pre-albumin levels and see like is your protein really on track or not you know sure and if you're concerned about it because you have a strict diet it's certainly reasonable i mean we do this with testing with runners right we want to test our fitness we go and we track our progress so if you have one of these limiters i think in terms of nutrition it seems like it's reasonable to talk to your doctor about it right absolutely absolutely and and, you know you also we've talked about calcium and vitamin d and and if you're not getting in enough vitamin d then that will affect calcium absorption so these nutrients work together with one another right um you know and like some nutrients like uh, b12 you really only get those from meat products and so you need to think about you know am i do i eat foods that are fortified with b12 and iron and some of these other um, vital nutrients that you may be missing 
And if you have to have some sort of, you know, additional supplementation, it's crucial that you get high quality supplements. I mean, Absolutely. there was that whole fiasco a couple of years ago with, you know, all the grocery stores and all these places got slammed where they, people went in, they did a whole bunch of random testing of um, over the counter um, nutritional products. And some of them had like actually 0% of what was claimed on the label, right. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. There were a couple of independent, uh, supplement testing labs, consumerlabs.com is one. And then yeah. there's USP. If it has that USP label uh -huh. or consumer labs label, then you know, it's been independently tested and you can assure that it's a good pro quality yeah, so product. That's really helpful because I mean, you think like if you go to a big retailer, you know, whether it's a grocery store or anything else, you assume that everything's safe and that it's on the level. And I mean, the retailers are not in charge of that. They're selling it, but they're not really in control of it at all. Right. So yeah, that's helpful to know that people can look for that label and, and actually mm -hmm. know they're getting what they, what they expect to be buying, you know? Exactly. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's the big thing. I mean, um, uh, it's you know difficult to incorporate all this stuff obviously into your training, but it's the it's the thing where you have to know these subtle differences, right? And, yep. Yep. And uh, so anyway, right now, like I'm sure there are some runners listening to this who are trying to get um, past an injury, they're trying to get back to running as quickly as possible. And so when it comes to nutrition and recovery from an injury, what is the one piece of nutritional advice that you think could help them on their journey? Okay, good good question. You know, what I would say is if you are injured and you're trying to return from an injury, one of the key things is to make sure you're getting in adequate calories. Mm. Because think about this. Oftentimes, individuals, if you're not getting in enough calories and you're under fueled, then, you know, you're, that protein is just going to continue to be broken down at a very rapid rate. Right. And so, yeah. So at, at, by the same token, though, if you're over consuming calories, then you're going to be gaining weight and you're going to be gaining fat and you don't want that. Right. Um, uh, you know, and so those the adequate calories are number one. And then also at that point, you can increase your uh, protein mm -hmm. levels at that point. You know, when you have a stress, right. you have a fracture, that type of thing, two grams uh, of protein per kilogram of body weight, two and a half even mm -hmm. would work. It's like so almost doubling it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You need more protein. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I've seen several athletes that I have, um, have gotten injured and it's a fascinating thing. And I don't know if it's like just sort of switching back to comfort food or what it is, but like I have seen a number of athletes where they're like, you know, they're really hardcore runners and they have what seem like obsessive diets. And then when they get injured, they like, they kind of switch to pizza and ice cream and, and they'll say like, yeah. well, what does it matter? I'm not training. I'm like, well, all training is, is where you go and you do deliberate tissue damage so that you can repair it and become stronger. Absolutely. So now what you have is a larger version of that, an overtraining injury. And it's really like, it's the same thing. It's just a bigger scale of a problem. And so like, if you're really obsessive about getting the right nutrients in so you can rebuild this tissue on a daily basis when you have a big catastrophe like an overtraining injury, why would you not want to do the same thing? You know, but they just think of it as like, well, they're not putting out the same. It's just like a calorie in, calorie out kind of attitude. And they're like, well, I'm really not doing anything. Like, yeah, you are. You're rebuilding tissue, something that's really been broken. You know, you've got to you got to get the fuel in for that. Right, right, so, right. And the, yeah, and the, it has to be quality, like you said. For yeah, sure. it's got to be high quality stuff. That's for sure. It's it's not easy to do, but it's critical, right?
Yep. Some I mean, athletes, you know, that have these issues, whether it's they're trying to figure out what to do on race day, they're trying to do figure out what to do in training, they're trying to figure out like even where they really get started with improving their nutrition, altering their nutrition, really optimize their performance and become a, a better, faster runner. You know, where can they find you? I mean, you know, where is it they can go find you and get help from you directly? Thanks, Chris. My website is fuelforendurance.com and that's where I blog and that's where I have all my goodies. If you want to call it that, yeah, uh, I've got yeah, I've got uh, close to fifty or sixty blog posts on uh, all kinds of topics. Wow. Injury, yeah, carbohydrate utilization, you know, hydration, you know, I, you name it, it's on there. Uh, because I'm just trying to help. My goal for 2017 is, uh, you know, how runners they set this goal, and you probably have friends that do this. They want to run 2,017 yeah. miles, and I want to help 2,017 runners feel better. In 2017, oh, that's, that's awesome. my goal. Yeah, that's, yeah, a good that's one. my goal. And uh, you can go there, and I've got uh, one of the key things is I've got a free download. It's the seven steps to creating a marathon nutrition plan for anyone that's interested. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. So, yeah, so they can go there and they can get that for free. Absolutely. Wow, that's great. Okay, well, we'll put that in the show notes too so that uh, people have a link to get there uh, directly from our site as well. But that sounds great. All right, JJ, uh, any other closing advice for the runners out there trying to trying to get on track? No, I think that I think we've covered quite a bit. Uh, you know, I think the key thing is just to train hard and fuel well and you're going to see positive results. All right, JJ. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on the show. This has all been uh, super informative. I mean, I've learned a lot certainly during this episode, and I'm really grateful that you came on um, to share all of your knowledge with uh, all the runners out there. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for your time. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me, and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.